Hi, everyone, and good evening, and welcome to our Monday live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in, wherever you are. And uh, as I say, as ever, we are streaming across the known universe. So we're on the uh, we're we're on YouTube. Yes, YouTube. All you uh, uh, freedom hating uh, uh, plebs that run YouTube. We're on we're on YouTube just out of badness. But more importantly, we're on Getter, we're in Rumble, we're on um, Twitter, uh, we are on DLive, we are, we are everywhere. So there we go. Now, what I want to do is my usual thing, so I can see your comments. Hi, oh, by the way, hi, Leslie, Chris Davies, uh, see you all there. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, you're sort of uh, irascible, all you folks who, who come onto YouTube, knowing that one of these days YouTube's going to do for me permanently, but hey, what can you do? So let me do my usual routine. I just want to get on, I get the um, the getter stream uh, just functioning so I can see I do is my usual what thing. you so are saying it. over there. So I just got that working, right? That's running smoothly. So as I said, we got, and also by the way, oh, there we go straight up all the way. It's morning in New Zealand. Well, it's evening here in the UK, Matt, but it's good to have you. Good to see you, Billy Watson, as well, my friend. Good to see you. You see, I always put down this the fact we've, we've got the best live stream ever. Not because of me. None, I'm nothing to do with it. It's because we've got the best people who come onto the stream. And, and you're the folks that make me feel so proud of the community that we've been building up here over the past few years. Um, also, just a shout out to say we do have a big week ahead. So um, we've got a fascinating uh, conversation we're just about to have. But make sure you come back on Wednesday because we're going to discuss the World Economic Forum with someone who's done a lot of research into that. And then on Friday, we've got Edward Dowd talking about his book, um, uh, Died Suddenly, uh, Inexplicable Deaths. So we've got so much to talk uh, talk about uh, this week, and I hope you will enjoy it. And remember, if you do enjoy the stuff that we said, just make sure you follow, uh, you follow all the work we do on the daily podcasts, on my many um, media streams, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So... Tonight, and just to kick off the week, one of the big themes for me this last couple of years really has been health. And of course, that's all been as a consequence of the alleged COVID, um, uh, well, call it pandemic. You say pandemic, I say scamdemic. You say tomato, you say tomato, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, uh, we um, uh, th that's been sort of moved health right up the, the agenda for me, and I think for many of you folks as well. And uh, yes, we've got uh, Mew Waters, uh, Truth Seekers in the Northeast. And uh, we've got Datemar. Hi, Datemar. Uh, well, actually, I should say that, uh, um, actually, let's bring my guests on and then we get talking. Right, without further ado, can we please bring on our two guests, uh, David and Don, uh, if we can bring them into the studio, Jet. Hi, David, and here's Don. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> Hello there. Well, yeah. Well, look, you're 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 both very very welcome in the stream, and thanks for making the time to be here. And we're going to talk about your book. Let's just bring up your book on screen. Just there you go. What really makes you ill? So that fascinating, very intriguing. We're going to dive into that in a second or two. But I think we should give uh, a shout out to Sarah at Quantum Hypno for being uh, the person who introduced us essentially to each other. So if you're watching this, Sarah Didmore, you're very, very uh, uh, much appreciated for, for bringing us together. So as I say, uh, guys, we have um, 
health is, is, is such a big thing. And, you know, as I said, just before we came on stream, if, if, you, and I, if you and I had been talking three years ago, I was one of those people who probably thought that big pharma did a job and you could trust doctors. There's no problems there. And that vaccines probably worked. I know. I know. I hear myself say it. No, I'm cringing inside, but I'm being honest with you, you know. Yeah. So let's kick off top of the show. So you guys have written this book. Uh, you know, what, what really makes you ill. What, what was it that made you choose that as the title for your book? Well, the, the answer is because the, uh, what really makes you ill and the subtitle, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong, quite a challenging title. Yeah, but, it is. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, what, about 17 years ago now, I guess, when we were writing another book about the nature of reality, that, that's where we were. We, like you were just saying, we believed, you know, uh, doctors knew what they were talking about. It was all based on science. We believed that germs made you ill, either bacterial viruses, that vaccinations were good for you and uh, conferred immunity. 17 years ago, that's what we believed. And it was only when we started to look into it because of another book we were researching that we realized that none of that was true. None of it at all. So that's why the book's called that, because everything we thought we knew about disease 17 years ago turned out to be wrong. And of course, more and more people are learning that now. I'm pleased to say, because ever since the germ theory, which has been in existence for about 100 years, yeah. um, not based on any scientific evidence, which often surprises people, we looked for it and it's not there. The scientific papers are not there. And we can explain all that, um, despite what the mainstream media may claim, that uh, viruses have been isolated and all the rest of it. We can show that that is not true. But the tragedy is that not only uh, is it keeping people in fear, it's driving people to take, uh, and we'll talk about directly with the whole COVID pandemics, pandemic yeah. uh, fraud, let's put it, give it a proper name, um, it's costing people's lives you know, in their tens of thousands uh, around the world. So this is really serious. So it's not a case of any more where people may take some medication which doesn't work properly or makes them feel a bit sick. That's bad enough. No, as we found, the medications are killing people. I mean, there's a thing called iatrogenesis, you know, which is a bit of a mouthful word, but it basically means death by modern medicine, where a mm. physician has given, prescribed a drug, a pharmaceutical drug, to his patient. The patients have taken it as prescribed, and it's killed them. And in America alone, the figures are something like 150,000 people every year die through iatrogenesis. And you can multiply that as many times as you like, because mm. wherever Western medicine is practiced around the world, which includes the UK, you have this scandal a huge scandal of thousands of people dying just from their prescription drugs now why is that not shout uh, shouted from the rooftops why is that yeah. not headline news how, how come how come dawn the media don't have their you know the evening news they're not putting up the uh tally sheet 
of the number of people who have died today thanks to ingesting ingesting modern medicine. Actually, Dawn, I've got to say, I, the, I've done my best to stay well away from, from sort of modern medicine, you know, medications and stuff like that. And I can remember, Dawn, back in, I think it was 2018, uh, I went for like an annual MOT at the doctors and, uh, and it was round about the time when the, the, the flu vaccine thing was it was about and the, the doctor said to me oh david you should um you should you should get your uh your, your your flu vaccine and back then what did i do don i said yeah okay well yeah you know stick it in me whatever and within about a week i was really ill i i i, I was never as bad as i as i was then and that made that that was my early warning you know alert alert don when they say yeah you know this vaccine's going to work. It actually did the opposite of what they said. Um, but we've even had an even bigger awakening since that, hadn't we? But I mean, this flu vaccine is is also something we should be concerned about. We should be all concerned vaccines, about all really. vaccines. I mean, the whole point yeah. is that they, um, you know, the the fact that you felt ill afterwards, um, yeah. that you know, if you went to the doctor, he would have said oh, well, you know, that's, you know, just that means it's working or something. Um, and sometimes they call it, you know, side effects, you know, as if it's just, you know, um, insignificant that, you know, you're not feeling well or well, you know, it's just a side effect. No, it's a direct effect because if you hadn't had that in injection, um, you wouldn't have had those effects. You wouldn't have felt ill. But they do say that um, having, um, having those... Um, symptoms afterwards means that it's working but it, it, it absolutely isn't because yeah. the whole the whole idea of vaccines is based on the completely unproven notion um, which is that the germs cause illness in the first place and these vaccines actually do something in your body to protect you against these so-called germs but these mm. so-called germs have never been proven to be the cause and so you have to say well why are you taking a, a vaccine and that's obviously why they don't want people like us to be um to be heard by people i mean we're not the only ones speaking out about the dangers of, of vaccines but uh, or even the pharmaceutical drugs um mm. but of course you know this this is a big business you know they 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 don't want their business model being spoilt by you know true information coming out you know that they're what they're doing is actually harmful and that's why we had you know you you asked why it was that particular book title because you know everything we were taught about or told or mm. we're brought up with about what makes us ill you go well that's not what makes us ill so you go well actually so we asked the question well what really makes us ill um and i mean all through the book we kept asking questions the sort of questions that people ask us you know but what about this what about that um, because that, that's the thing, really, you know, we, we're brought up with all these different ideas and then yes. you leave it and you don't ask questions. And that's that's the problem. People don't ask questions. We found we, we found this was the problem with doctors in their training. Yeah. They yeah. didn't ask those questions either. And so we did. And we talked to doctors about their education because as, as we progressed through our research, we realised yeah. that not all doctors are, are evil people and are deliberately deceiving the public. They, mm -hmm. They're just doing what they're trained to do, and they mm -hmm. didn't ask the questions. We're not allowed to ask the questions. Well, if you're telling me that this virus is the cause of such and such disease, where are the scientific papers that actually prove it? 
where the virus has been isolated, genetically categorized, uh, characterized, and proved to cause the disease. They don't get to ask those questions. So we did, and we searched for those papers. And I can assure the, the listeners, they are not there. And there has never, ever been one truly scientific paper that proves either a virus or a bacterium is the cause of a disease. So that set us on our path. And of course, we explain all that in our book. And we looked at all the main diseases that people are familiar with, even whether it's chickenpox, smallpox, or even the Black Death. And of course, the infamous 1918 flu. So we looked at all of those to find out what the actual causes were. And, but, uh, but we, see, David, is, is that not what you and Don are doing? To me, that's the scientific method. You're yeah. actually going back to first principles. You're questioning. You're asking questions. And if, if you don't ask questions, to me, that, that's kind of anti-science. So yeah. whenever you have, I mean, we've seen the last few years, the likes of Fauci def defining himself with on monumental hubris as you know i am science don't you dare question me but but the reality is every i mean i i, I encourage everybody who listens to me and whatever go and do your own research check it out for yourself don't believe don't necessarily believe whatever what anyone says find out for yourself question but but doctors don't that's the truth of the matter is it not it is well, and as we found, no, as we found Sorry, Sorry, Don, 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 and then David. Don first. No, no. Go ahead. Um, yes, it's just, you know, natural enthusiasm for kind of, you know, um, yeah. helping people understand what's going on. Um, the um, No, I mean, doctors won't. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, part of it is, you know, their training. Um, they've spent huge amounts of money to be trained. They've got huge debts. They've got a particular lifestyle. Um, I, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons and it'll be different reasons for different people why yep. they don't actually question this. And, and, and sometimes it's just that they, they believe in the sort of the authority of their training. Yep. So again, these, you know, you're getting into logical fallacies, but the scientific method actually is very, very, very specific. It's not just about questioning, but there is mm -hmm. a very strict, um, procedure to go through for the scientific method and one of the most important points about the scientific method is if you've got to have what's called an independent variable which means there is something that you actually can manipulate to find out if it is the cause of mm -hmm. the effect yep. which is the natural phenomenon that is being investigated or that was observed as the per first part of the scientific method now the problem with um, virology is that the particles that they call viruses have never been isolated. So there is no thing that they can then manipulate to find out if it actually is the cause. Uh, and this is where uh, a lot of arguments <laughs> happen are happening because people say, well, you, you know, um, various scientists say, well, you know, well, you don't need to do that. Um, you know, they use a cell culture. And, well, that's not good enough because they don't have the thing, in other words, the virus, to manipulate as the independent variable as part of the scientific method because it is it is strict um and that's what many people can't can't see past not, that it is not adhered to i mean it would no. be like us showing you lots of pictures of unicorns you know 
And I'm sure if uh, anyone wants to search for it, you'll find lots of really nice pictures of unicorns. Yeah. But if you ask, if you ask someone, can I actually see a real unicorn, please? That's when it all falls over. And it's the same with viruses. They talk about them glibly as if they're living things. They even call them, uh, erroneously, microorganisms. Well, a microorganism, like a bacterium, is a living thing. These <laughs> particles, and we'll give them a proper name, are just cellular debris. And this is the problem. As Dawn said, they've never taken one of these little dots, that's all they are, that they see under their electron microscopes, and isolated it, and then genetically characterized it in the proper way and proved that it causes a disease. They just assume, they take a sample from a sick person, let's say a blood sample, a tissue sample, yeah. and assume that the virus is in it or that there is a virus. <laughs> and then they put it in a Petri dish, mix it with uh, antibiotics, uh, bovine serum, which is just blood from a baby calf, uh, kidney cells and a few other chemicals yeah. and then leave it for a few days. And then when all the cells are dead, they assume there must have been a virus in there and that's what's killed them. Well, that's not scientific. Unfortunately, uh, Dr. Stefan Lanker, who, who some of your audience yeah. will be familiar with, I mean, who is a trained virologist, um, he, he complained bitterly, like the rest of us, that why are you, Mr. Virologist, not doing a control experiment? And so he did it, and he's published his results on the internet. So and yeah. all is, is simple thing, really, is to take a second Petri dish, Put all the same chemicals and antibiotics and all the rest of it, but absolutely not put anything in it that could be considered a virus. Okay, so you've got the one dish where they think they got a virus plus all the other chemicals and a second Petri dish where they've got all the chemicals, but absolutely no virus. And if you leave it for the same period of time, up to five days, all the cells will be dead in both dishes which shows that it's nothing to do with the virus. But that's all virologists do. The one dish, they don't even do the second one. So that's why science isn't, uh, virology is not a science. It's complete nonsense. So, so, so was that really your starting point then in, in trying to sort of make sense of all of this? That when you look at the, the, the alleged science of virology, that the problem is there's nothing there to support the alleged science of virology, which then begs the question, well, what, what makes us sick then? I mean, exactly. John, John, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yes, I mean, that, that's really where we started um, um, because when we first started looking into, um, you know, health or what makes people ill, which is, you know, it was really the, well, how do we get ill? Um, we started looking at the kind of various illnesses and and the first one uh, <laughs> the first one we came across was uh, HIV HIV AIDS and there was an awful lot of literature about that so we were able to um, read various books and and look at the papers and the, you know huge amount of information on websites I mean we, you know we we did a lot of reading of the actual papers we were we communicated with a lot of people in what is called the AIDS dissident movement. Um, so we really right. spent some time and that was the one that made us realize that there was a very serious problem with what's called medical science. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, even that's a problem calling it science. But um, mm. so we started really finding out that uh, there were huge problems with um, the whole idea that this so-called virus called HIV was the cause of 
the conditions that were labelled AIDS. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's a huge, huge topic. Um, but that took us to various other works. It actually took us to the work of Stefan Lanker back, and he was outspoken about HIV and AIDS back from the 90s. So um, we thought, well, he was trained as a virologist. We ought to look at his work and think about him. He was he was talking about all sorts of viruses and saying, or so-called viruses, you know, because they aren't real things. Um, and, and he was saying it wasn't true for any other so-called illness caused by a virus. So we thought, oh, okay, well, we need to look at this. So we started yeah. looking into all these different diseases to try and say, well, if it's not a virus, what is it? Because, um, I mean, that is actually one of the common questions we're asked. So we wanted to look into as many of these so-called infectious diseases. Um, we also looked at, um, you know, mainstream websites, you know, the WHO, NHS, yep. CDC, to see what they said about it. And amazingly, there were an awful lot of contradictions with what various organisations were saying and some of the papers I mean, so many of the papers that we looked at um, are it started with a, the assumption that, you know, this disease is caused by this virus yeah. or bacteria. Um, so you say, well, that's your starting point, but where's your evidence for that? And, of course, it, once you start looking back, you find there is no foundational paper that absolutely proves that any one of these so-called germs causes a, a specific disease. So, um, yes, I mean, it, it, it took a lot of time to really dive into all of that and look at that and really realise just how much was wrong. Um, Basically it, all of it. Quite a shock. Yes, I mean, with infectious, but I mean, it's not just infectious diseases that we've, we've written about in the book. I mean, we look at the non-communicable diseases as well, because obviously, well, obviously, but most of them are not claimed to be caused by so-called germs, um, although they are even trying to make um, non-infectious diseases related to viruses or bacteria or something. So they really are pushing it and it's it is getting rather ridiculous which is good in a way because it helps people kind of think no there's there's something wrong here you know um what we found to really question but what we found sorry uh, but what we found is of course the medical system virology in particular they deceive themselves uh because as we found like doctors they only do what they're taught in if you like virology college just yeah. to, for want of a better name and and like anyone if they're taught incorrectly you take any subject you like i mean i'm actually a retired electrical engineer but if i was taught incorrectly about electricity apart from probably electrocuting myself or someone else um <laughs> things yeah. would soon go awry so yeah. uh, and virologists and doctors are the same they are not, they are not taught correctly but they believe what they've been taught and in many cases, egos, egos come into play. You know, they spend X number of years at college and they get a nice title and a nice paycheck. And uh, then someone like us comes along who mm. um, are not an MD and we don't have a white coat and a stethoscope, although yeah. we're both Dawn and I are qualified professionally in our own fields. But um, they, their egos get in the way and they won't even look. And we've come across some of these people through the last mm -hmm. few years. Oh, yeah. um, uh, and yeah. so that's that's a big problem in itself. 
Yeah, I mean, but 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 here's the thing. How, explain to us how they have. I mean, they've convinced the world, or somebody's convinced the world that oh well, measles don't feel I me. Mean, are you trying to say that you know the, the, that if it hadn't it been for the vaccines, measles wouldn't still be a great danger, or 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 smallpox, or any of these other conditions? I mean, how have they been able to put in place this? regime of vaccines uh, which young kids babies get so many of mm. how have they been able to do that if the thing that the people are being vaccinated against doesn't actually exist in the first place well, okay oh. well they they do i mean and we sometimes show people these unfortunately i can't share a screen with you at the moment but uh, there's yeah. charts uh, charts showing the history of vaccinations, okay, from when vaccinations first came in, vaccinations as we think of them today, okay, and you mm -hmm. can see in every case for all these diseases like diphtheria, measles, smallpox, yep. all of them, yep. you can see when you look on the graphs that the all of those diseases had almost finished, if you like, yep. of yep. their own accords before any vaccinations came into force. So they know this, but they trick people by showing you the distorted graphs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take a little section of it. And so yeah. it's all it's all trickery, and uh, which is a, a great shame, but they're, they're playing with people's lives. But again, we always say, well, whatever things you want to put up, whatever science, so-called scientific papers you put up, because we've often... Sometimes people have said, oh, well, we've seen on the Internet there's such and such scientific paper that says COVID has been isolated. And we've looked at these papers and thankfully now many doctors and people like Stefan Lanker and Dr. Andy Kaufman, Dr. Tom Cowan, yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, Sam Bailey, Mark Bailey. You know, there's quite a number of doctors now that have also looked at looked for these papers that's right yeah and they've and they've looked at these ones that claim to have isolated the virus and proved that it causes and in every case they're fraudulent because they start from the point of like we said earlier mm. that they've taken a sample from a sick person and assumed there's a virus in it and then done that little virology test which i mentioned which doesn't prove anything at all but they've called it an isolation. When they when they put this mm. fluid sample into the Petri dish and mix antibiotics and blood serum and monkey kidney cells, and they call that an isolation. Well, we know as yeah, sensible yeah. human beings, when you isolate something, that's separating one thing from everything else. <laughs> but they don't do that. But they yeah. call it an isolation. And this is where the trickery starts. They actually corrupt the English language. Uh, and deceive people. It's the same with when they told us all that not only had they isolated the virus or any virus, but the COVID one in particular, and they said that they'd genetically characterized it and they'd now got the complete genome of the virus. Well, as Dawn said earlier, you can't, unless you've got the thing to start with, you can't then concoct a genome, the full genome of it. Well, hang on. We'll, we'll we'll get to COVID. We're going to save COVID to the, for the next, for probably the last 20, 25 minutes or so, actually, because that's where the whole thing's, I think, really exploded and backfired on, on them. But let me just ask a question, Don. Come to you first on this one. See, if you take something like chicken pox, right? Because check, we're, we're told chicken pox is super duper, definitely a virus. So if it's not a virus, what is 
check and pox? Uh, well, first of all, uh, it's a label for a set of symptoms. Uh, it isn't an actual specific disease that you can say, well, that's a, a distinct disease entity. Um, mm -hmm. And this is, again, one of the really big problems for people to get their heads around, that there aren't different diseases. What there are are different sets of symptoms. And the, in, although when you look at these um, sort of spots and rashes type um, diseases, the eruptive diseases, um, yeah. there's an awful lot of overlap and there's, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to distinguish between them. Um, but what they are, these symptoms are actually the body, um, the body's own processes. And yeah. for the most part, they are detox symptoms. You know, the body's clearing itself of, of various um um, sort of toxins. I mean, it, I mean, it's not necessarily like serious poisons, but it's just you know um, mm -hmm. things that we come into contact with, or various sort of foods, whatever they accumulate, and then they come through the skin, which is the body's uh, largest elimination elimination organ. So that, and certainly in in children as well, because they're reasonably healthy. So you know, the, the skin is used. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that when um, when small children are ill the the doctors tell them tell the parents to give them all these different medicines and unfortunately they're toxic so it's adding toxins to the system so later on they have um a different kind of elimination process to go through um and that that's why it's um really difficult because th these um, medications that are given quite often help to alleviate symptoms and so the parents think oh well the you know my child's got better because I've given them the medicine unfortunately these so-called medicines are um, what they do is they suppress the symptoms now because the a disease is defined by its symptoms the end of the symptoms is taken to mean oh the disease has gone away but it but because that's not how the body works, what they're doing is suppressing symptoms, which means that it's pushing the toxins further into the body. And so they will have to come out later on together with the so-called medicine that's been given as well. And so that's why sometimes there'll be a more serious condition sort of later on. Yeah, I just want to say, I see a comment here from our friend Dawn over in Hawaii. She says, both my boys had the chicken pox shots and both got chicken pox. But th the issue is, well, what is the thing that's called chicken pox? Because as you've just said, well, Don, it's a, it's, a, it's a variety of system symptoms, isn't it? It is, but I mean, it's not too surprising that um, children who have received the chicken pox shots will then have symptoms of, of detoxification because these vaccines contain all kinds of toxins. So the body then has to eliminate them. And so that's why it's not surprising. It's just the problem is calling them by calling these collections of symptoms by a specific name saying it is you know and it's yeah. so much a vocabulary we brought up all oh, i've got a cold i've had this keep away from me you don't want to catch my germs yeah. and and that's uh, and i wanted to sort of go back with, with what you were saying the fact that you know how they got away with it it's because it, it's just been incremental over the years and it's just continual conditioning and mm. brought, bringing into language and it's you know it's a slow sort of drip feed really that uh you know it was a very kind of 
um, a milder version of these um, ideas was coming out and then they gradually increased and stepped it up. I mean, because, you know, when I was young, there were only a handful of vaccines to get. Yeah. I mean, now there's just yeah. loads. So it is incremental. And that's how people don't know. It's the old boiling frog. You know, people just don't notice it. Well, well, David, just on that one there. So further to what Dawn said, I mean, again, when I was young, there were only a handful of, of vaccines that they gave you when I was a kid. And now I've got a couple of grandkids who are, who are both under three-year-old and, and they get absolutely lanced with, all kind, I mean, absolutely a plethora of, uh, of injections, vaccines to protect them from this, that, and the other. And, and I cannot believe that that is healthy, but that's, the, as Don said, we've gotten to that boiling frog point, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Whereby these are our kids, this is the, the next generation, so to speak, and they're absolutely, you know, prepped up to the eyeballs with, well, whatever's in those treatments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Within in America, it's, it seems to be much easier to get information out of the system in America than it is in the UK. And children in America, by the time they're 18, if they've had all their vaccination programs, have had something like 70, 70 different vaccinations by the time they're 18. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that they survive into adulthood. I really am. Yeah. But of course, they may survive. But of course, ill health in America, which is the most medicated country in the world, um, the, and they have the worst health record. Now, that alone should say something. We've got all the technology in America. We've got all this medication that's being given to people, and yet we have one of the mm -hmm. worst health records in the world. Yeah. Now, the two don't go together, do they? Well, they do when you realize it's the medications that are causing them. But mm -hmm. I think there's a, a, a basic concept that people... Uh, will we, we'll explain things to people. Now, children in particular um, are often said that they get these so-called childhood diseases, which is chickenpox and measles mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and there was still a misbelief that, uh, you know, if uh, there's, that there used to be sort of like chickenpox or measles parties, didn't they? Because yeah. parents used to think it was yes. a good thing to send your children, little Johnny, and mm. <laughs> along to the, party yep. hopefully that he'll get it and then he'll have immunity in yep. later life now and the, and people say this to us they say oh no yes you know and uh, first of all they'll say yes and all the kids got measles well when you look into it all the kids didn't get measles a percentage may have got so-called measles but you have to realize what's going off because a couple of things really children of a certain age you know as we've just said right in from school are starting to get vaccinated so those children of a certain age all get vaccinated around the same time mm. so they're going to start detoxing the poisonous stuff that they've had injected into them mm. around the same time yeah. now quite often children go to birthday parties of that certain age don't they and what happens at birthday parties well children get excited so their meta metabolic rate speeds up so their detoxification rate starts to speed up also, whilst they're at a party, they're eating all sorts of lovely sugary foods, you know, cakes and jellies and sweets and uh, fizzy mm. drinks, all of which are laden with uh, toxic materials, artificial colorings, preservatives, mm. all of that sort of thing. Mm. Um, aspartame, which is uh, yep. <laughs> cancerous causing things. So they're getting loaded up with those. So what, 
what's the body going to do? Well, it's going to start trying to eliminate those toxins. But then, because it's, as Dawn said, the skin is the largest organ of the body, so it very often pushes those toxins out through the skin. The children come up in blisters. The doctor, because he doesn't know what he's doing, will look at the spots and go, oh, it's chickenpox or it's measles or it's scarlet fever or something else, depending on what the rash or spots look like. He doesn't understand the body's doing its job. It's pushing the toxins out. And that those spots may be accompanied by headaches, fevers, you know, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, all elimination organs of the body. And uh, we can all suffer from this, depending on how we've abused our bodies, uh, maybe over Christmas or something like that. And then it's called, you know, the seasonal flu. Yeah, yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, actually, beat me to it. I was just going to say. So, so is that thing which is referred to as the seasonal flu? Um, which I'm guessing probably most people have experienced the the symptoms of of, of that they, they, they felt lousy or whatever. Is that essentially just uh, the body doing what the body should do um, yeah. naturally, really detoxifying itself of whatever's inside it? Yeah, all of those symptoms. Like I mean, any others. Everyone's body is detoxing all the time. But if, you've, if you're healthy, you don't even notice it because it's just yeah. a mechanism going on. Mm. But if you've sort of exceeded your intake of toxic materials for, for some reason, um, then you start to notice it. And the first detox symptoms that you would notice is what gets called the common cold. Because yeah. if the body's not been able to get rid of the toxins under the normal processes of sweating, vomiting, let's say, uh, excrement, urination, if it's not been able to get rid of the toxins, it will then bring in the mucous membranes. And so, again, to try and get rid of the toxins, and that's when you get the symptoms which people call colds, you know, when you get the runny nose or maybe congestion on the chest. Um, and it, that gets stepped up even more, of course, depend, depending on the severity of the toxins you've taken in. But they, it's just the body detoxing. And the best thing to do under those circumstances, as Dawn has said earlier, don't suppress them with stuff that you get from the doctor or, or over the counter from the chemists because those toxins have got to come out. And if they stay in and that's mm. prolonged over a long period of time, then it becomes chronic and you get things like cancers because the body can't get rid of the toxins and so it tends to try and encapsulate them. Now, if you're unfortunate enough to go to a doctor and they see one of these so-called tumours, okay, because they don't understand again what's happening, um, they'll label it as a cancerous growth, and then they'll recommend something like chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I think most people know that chemotherapy drugs are extremely toxic. Yep. So you just make they're just making matters worse. And, you know, I know from my own family uh, from years ago, before I knew what I know now, you know, I've lost a number of family members, both young and old, through that very process where they were diagnosed with a cancer, went to the doctors, and um, once they got put on chemotherapy or radiotherapy or both, and uh, it killed them all, you know. The, mm. the one, and I often tell this story because the one relative who refused to have, she, died, she was diagnosed with a cancer, uh, but refused to have any of those chemotherapy or radiotherapy treatments. And after about a year, 18 months, they were able to tell her that her cancer had completely disappeared. 
So that was my first object lesson, that all the people that obeyed the doctors and hospitals had the mm. treatment. They all died, every single one, and I'm talking at least six people here. The one person that refused to have the treatment lived. <laughs> so uh, that that was sort of the first thing for me when I thought, well, there's something something to be learned here, something going off. And mm. uh, that was one of the reasons that uh, we had to do our deep dive into what really makes you ill and of course we do explain explain in the book what really makes you ill and it's quite simple i can i can go through that very quickly we found that there were four factors which we describe in detail in our book that were the cause one or more of them were the cause of all, all diseases all illnesses let's call it illnesses yeah and that is lack of proper nutrition we're not talking lack of food we're talking proper nutrition yeah. nutritious food yeah um, overexposure to toxins, overexposure to EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, and long and prolonged stress. And those four factors, one or more of those four factors, are what really makes you ill, to put it uh, mm. in a nutshell. And yeah. so if you address those four factors, all of which are in our own power to control, you know, to eat nutritious food, don't eat processed food, don't yeah. eat some of this fake meat and all the rest of it. Um, avoid the intake of toxins, you know, avoid your, as much as you can exposure to EMFs. I know it's impossible to do it completely and not to get stressed because one of the things that this whole COVID nonsense has been is keeping the majority of people under stress, you know, with the fear that they're going to be attacked yeah. by a germ. Um, out in the streets and they got people wearing masks and social yep. distancing, all keeping people in fear. Well, that constant stress, not only does it have a, uh, is it detrimentally psychologically, it's detrimental physically as well uh, mm. through the process of uh, oxidation. So, do you, do, you, do you know, just on that one, what David's just said there, Don, I, I, I saw a, a tweet today from some lady, a doctor, I think she was British. And to give you an idea of how unhinged she was, she moved to Australia because she enjoyed the more rigorous uh, lockdown strategies that they had there. But she was saying that she had been on her sixth jab, her sixth jab, um, and uh, she, uh, she'd come down with COVID for the fourth time. And honestly, Don, when you read something like that, you just shake your head and think, how have these people, how have they fallen to this level of, of almost incoherent ignorance? Mm. It, it is absolutely amazing, especially when, you know, if you're saying that that was a doctor, to okay. have um, not just to have, well, I, I suppose with their training and um, their belief in what they're doing, yes, they may well have accepted taking all those different jabs, yeah. But we, we, you we, have then said, "Yeah, we've got it." On oh, the okay. Screen. There, there we go. Just to say, I'm, I'm not making it up. There we go. I was four months out of my sixth dose. Dose when I got it. She's wearing FFP3 consistently. <laughs> She's a lunatic. This woman is a lunatic. She shouldn't be left within a million miles of patients. But, but Don, like that is what we're all yeah. against. Yes, yeah. but but to um, but the idea that. Um, 
these, well, yeah, that she would then get something that she is supposed to have been protected against. I mean, that's the point at which most people would start scratching their heads and say, hang on a minute, <laughs> you know, this was supposed to protect me. I mean, there are lots of different reports out there of, of saying, well, it might, in fact, actually at the beginning, I think it said, well, it might not actually prevent it, but it might just reduce the symptoms or it might just reduce the intensity or, you know, lessen how, how ill you feel. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the narrative has changed so many times uh, that I'm just amazed that more people haven't just said, oh, you know, you, you've got to be joking. Unfortunately, many people have been drawn into the fear and we do know how mm. detrimental fear can be. But I mean, yeah. you know, we, uh, yeah. there's the, the um, placebo effect. I mean, that's a well-known effect of, you know, people responding to um, what are basically inert substances. But there's the opposite, which is the nocebo effect where people can actually demonstrate sort of um, harmful effects from something that shouldn't actually cause something. I mean, sometimes yeah. um, taking a placebo can actually give, um, people can believe they're taking an active drug and then present all kinds of symptoms, including if it's a chemotherapy trial, which has happened, people even losing their hair when they're not taking a substance that that should happen, but is absolutely mm -hmm. the belief that is that is creating those symptoms and that actually becomes um so obvious when you're seeing what's going on with Pete, so many people being ill because they believe they've got something because they saw somebody or or they just believe the news than the mainstream media it, it's it, it's awful and and i'm not saying people aren't ill i'm not saying people don't have symptoms i'm not saying there's a lot of lot of stuff going on but not all of it is, well, none of it's due to any of these so-called germs, but not all of it is is due to the other factors. You know, this stress, which also includes just the belief that something can make you ill. Well, that, that brings us, David, to the point you were making, the fear thing. And so we're now, we're in firm COVID country now. So, so I think the genius of the wicked people behind the whole COVID thing was they basically came out with this notion that here's this invisible thing. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. But it could be behind every corner. You walk around the corner, you know, I uh, walk in the supermarket, walk wherever you get. And the deadly invisible virus is just waiting there. And I can remember way back at the beginning of March, April of 2020, you know, I remember my wife and I talking about this. And when this is when they were also spinning the tale about asymptomatic spread, which is, David, truly laughable. And <laughs> I remember my wife said to me, like, she says, I've never had, like, you know, the flu or flu conditions and not realized that I had, you know, that had never happened. Or if you've got, if you're not feeling well, you know, you're not feeling well. But with COVID, you could be, you know, you could be, you could, you could have it and yet not even know that. So yeah. fear was unbelievable, wasn't it, David, back in 2020? It was. And, I mean, for those who've looked into it, we'll realise that our beloved government um, uh, employed about half a dozen psychologists at the beginning of this uh, COVID nonsense to help write statements for the government to make because they realised that they wanted to frighten the public enough so that they would be more cooperative. And they've yeah. done this deliberately. So they wanted to, these psychologists to help them write more scary things. 
I mean, this is a dreadful state of affairs, isn't it, when a, your government is really uh, declaring war on the public. Yep. And uh, and to make matters worse, I, mean, I think it's just worth mentioning, uh, lest we forget, you know, the government did instigate the yellow card system, didn't they, in the UK? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the VAERS system in the States. Yes, yeah. Now, if we just concentrate on the yellow card system, and these are the government's own figures, which doctors are supposed to fill in, okay, but we, we know that only about 3% of doctors actually bother, um, so the figures are very much understated. But even with the government's own figures, we know that in the United Kingdom, at least two and a half thousand people have died as a direct result of the vaccine. And something like half a million people have had serious disabling side effects. Now, these are the government's own figures. And as I say, only from three percent of doctors. So it could be hundreds of thousands mm. um, have mm. died, not two and a half. Now, the government knows this. So why are those vaccines still on the market? I mean, not many years ago, if even three people had died from a drug, it would be withdrawn from the market. Now, two, at least two and a half thousand people, two and a half thousand people have died of this vaccination. And yet the government is still telling us it's safe and effective. Now, if this isn't criminal, I don't know what is. Well, well, it absolutely is. And Don, just further to David's point, we were told during this whole last couple of years, anyone who died within 28 days of a positive PCR, that was that was a COVID death. For you know, They uh, could have been run over by a bus. It didn't matter. It was a COVID death. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, the same people are saying, ah, well, if people die within 28 days of having the jab, you can't you there's not possible to draw any any sort of correlation at all yeah. i mean it's unspeakable hypocrisy don oh oh absolutely i mean um just that alone should get people saying there is something seriously wrong here i mean just even asking questions but it, you see that's the point that they um they put out a narrative and they do as everything they can to really hang on to it and and to sort of further um to, to what David was saying. I mean, one of the aspects of the uh, documents about, um, it was social distancing, I can't remember the name of the, the document, but they were talking about emotional messaging. Um, and yet oh, yeah. Yeah. most of the mainstream narrative is all about trust the science, follow the science. Like you said, you know, Fauci, he's the science. You know, if you don't believe him, yeah. you're anti-science. Well, that, that's, that's you know, th these are logical fallacies, you know. it's um, yeah. um, There are so many of them. But unfortunately, most people um, are um, still believing it, or the people who are still believing in this is just due to um, upbringing, due to indoctrination through the schooling system, because you are given information and then you regurgitate it to get past your exams. And if you get it right, you get a tick. You don't ask questions. And therefore, you know, we've just been trained <laughs> not to ask questions. You know, as, as David said, you know, with the medical system, you know, doctors don't ask questions. And so this is now the time where we do the complete opposite of that. And we say, no, we have to ask questions. And if somebody mm. makes a statement, um, we have to say, well, how do you know that? Now, one of the problems, because we say, oh, you know, viruses aren't the cause of disease. People say, oh, well, you have to prove that. No, we don't. The people yeah. who make the claim who are saying viruses cause disease, they are the ones who need to prove their claim, not us, because we're saying 
where's the evidence? Well, rather, we're not saying, we're asking, where is your evidence, please? You've made a statement, you've made a claim, please provide your evidence. Um, so it's I time for people to take back um, the responsibility for asking questions and actually say, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a sort of a new muscle for people to use, but, but we need to really use that. And, and really, and, and like you said, you know, to look at these contradictions instead of thinking, oh, is it just, you know, maybe th people are thinking, oh, that looks a bit odd, or maybe it's just me because nobody else is questioning, to say, yeah. to actually speak out and say, no, that doesn't make sense. How can that make sense? And start yeah. really opening the opening the dialogue with everyone around them and saying, how can you make that make sense? I don't know why people weren't questioning the government, uh, because right at the beginning of this, people may remember when they started it all in 2020, um, the government banned autopsies on people who are supposed to have died of COVID. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why would they do that? Why would they ban autopsies, for heaven's sake? Well, the obvious reason is because, as has been found out later, if you do do an autopsy on someone who's supposed to have died of COVID, you find that there is no discovery of some new disease. You know, the person has died, sure enough, but they've died of normal causes that are well known, you know. Uh, it could be heart failure, but then that raises the other question because we know that uh, myocardi mm. myocarditis has mm. increased since uh, people have been take, uh, having the vaccine. But, you know, so you knew that the government, anyone who was sort of thinking about it, when a government bans autopsies, you know that they're up to no good, but they got away with it. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and these are the things that people, as Dawn has said, people need to do a little bit of critical thinking on a mass scale and question the government about this, uh, and then we can. This whole thing would collapse. But they are, they are being dishonest. The medical establishment is being dishonest across the board. The government is, and it's plain to see now that right, because they all take their orders now from the WHO, don't they? The World mm -hmm. Health Organization, yep. who are trying to grab more and more control, yep. as, as we yep. know, They're trying to push stuff through so that no government has any sovereign power at all. I know governments aren't really sovereign. It's only people that are sovereign, but yeah. governments like yeah. to think that they're sovereign. But they're taking away even those rights of a government to decide whether they declare a pandemic or not. The WHO, which is populated by people, many of whom are don't even have any medical qualifications. I'm thinking of yeah. uh, the Bill Gates of this world, you know, who... Also, uh, Dr. Tedros, uh, what 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 is his precise medical background exactly? Apart from being an Ethiopian Marxist, but I carry yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. So you know these, these people, these people are, have not got the qualifications they ought to have anyway, and they're not elected by us, the people who they're supposed to represent, and so it's just become a dictatorship. And uh, I mean, obviously, these are these are <laughs> topics that we could go into in a lot more detail, but we have to realise that what is happening. And it's, it's from the people in the WHO where this whole pandemic thing started in the first place, to, to declare a pandemic yeah. based on no evidence whatsoever. And anyone who's familiar with the, late, the Canadian lady, Christine Massey, who's uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, has written to just about all the major governments and medical institutions in the world, over 200 of them, asking for their evidence to show 
do they have any evidence to show that the virus has been properly isolated and proved to be the cause of a disease? And all the, and most of them uh, have written back to her and admitted that they do not have that evidence. So again, that begs the question, well, why are you doing what you're doing when you know you don't have any evidence? But do, do, do they not try to counter that by saying, ah, oh, yeah, well, we mightn't have done it ourselves, but the Chinese did it, and we can totally super-duper trust the Chinese. They definitely isolated. They got the gene sequencing. They shared that with us. And, and is that not one of the ways they've... I mean, I know it's ludicrous, but that, yeah. that is that not one of their pushbacks? No. They do say it. They do say it. But uh, as we said earlier, no. when I was talking about unicorns, you know, uh, the whole... Um, genome which they say they've got when you look into it and we have looked into it it doesn't exist in the real world it's Mm. generated by a computer you know where they've taken bits of genetic material had a computer stick it together just like you would with a jigsaw puzzle just add bits together and if if a a bit of the jigsaw puzzle doesn't fit you get a pair of scissors and cut a bit off it so it does and the computer does all that and then they come up with this so-called genome and tell us that's the that's the genome of the virus but it doesn't exist and then of course from that false genome because every time they do it they get a slightly different result somewhere in the world Mm. and so they then tell us it's another variant and then they give it a fancy name it's omicron it's this you know and they try and get more scarier names, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I can't wait for the the omega variant, the apocalypse variant. But, yeah. but 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 here's the thing, Don. Like further, what Dave was just saying there. But like, keep being told, oh well, we run all these p- with the PCR tests. We run them through the lab, and we get the geno- the geno- the genomic sequences, and that totally proves it. So is this? all false sand basically that we're being fed is it yes Yes, it is on the basis that um like i said um if they'd followed the scientific method they would have to have the thing in other words the virus Mm -hmm. that they could then Mm -hmm. test and in order to um, have a genome they need to have the virus so that they can um, actually investigate that the, the genome of that one thing to then be able to match it yeah. to other people. Now, the PCR test doesn't actually detect a virus and it is not a diagnostic tool, as probably people who, who've looked into the work of Karen Mullis will know that, you know, he he invented that. So um, th- that's not what it does. And in many cases, and again, I'm, I'm sure your audience is aware that it's to do with the cycle thresholds and so that, you know, the CT number. Um, and um, I think there's sort of 35, anything 35 and over tends to be meaningless, meaningless because the PCR is just an amplification process. It is mm-hmm. not a diagnostic tool. So the testing and, and even the other testing, the lateral flow, they are supposed to be um, detecting uh, if their antibodies or antigens, and again, this is again complete misunderstanding of how the body works because what they're detecting are proteins. They're not specific to a virus because a virus has never been isolated, and and actually analysed, characterised on its own as a, as a, an actual thing. So um, it, it's all um, it, it's actually about technology. There's a there's a there's a great quote by. Um, um, Peter Duesberg in his book, uh, Inventing the AIDS Virus. Now, I mean, I know he still believed in viruses, but he said 
basically, I mean, this is paraphrasing, but basically with the way science, science is going, that the people who are working on these different things are becoming uh, skilled technicians, but mediocre scientists, because the whole mm. interpretation of what mm. they're doing is, is wrong. I mean, it's based on a wrong model anyway, and it's just taken them further and further. And they're so impressed by this wonderful technology. It, it all looks absolutely wonderful. And they're playing with these fantastic machines, and they're looking at whatever it is they can do all kinds of magic on their computers but that has very little to do with actually what happens in the living intact human body and it's just getting further and further removed from us as living intact you know our human body I mean it's nothing to do with what goes on in the body and it's just getting further and further removed from that David, if I can ask you this then. So so a lot of people here in the UK, I mean, the percentages vary a bit, but you know, millions of people have taken not just one COVID jab, not just two. Some of them have taken the third and even, a, okay, a smaller minority have taken the fourth. My question is, what do you think that if you've had three or four doses of whatever's in that what do you think that does to what don has just said you know our intact human bodies what's the impact okay well first of all let me say and because there has been examinations done of uh, various vials of the manufacturers because there's like johnson and johnson and pfizer and yeah. Merck. so uh, and people have had them laboratory tested and they're not all the same yeah. some of the vials contain material that is extremely toxic but it's a relatively small percentage you know so mm. it's maybe 20 percent of the vials contain what some people have called the kill shot yeah. the rest uh, are much less toxic so that's why the majority of people can have the jabs and they might feel a bit ill but it doesn't kill them uh, because if you think about it <laughs> if mm. if all of the vaccinations were the so-called kill shot. I mean, there'd be <laughs> the game would be yeah. over, wouldn't it? It'd be so yeah. obvious. <laughs> so, so they've been quite crafty about it. Uh, so that's the first thing. But some of the stuff that's gone into people, although it may not either kill them immediately, which does happen, or even induce myocarditis, which is the inflammation of the heart muscle, and we get all these stories of athletes falling down dead on the football field or. Yep. Or wherever, but uh, there seems to be sort of expected longer term effects, uh, not least of which is uh, sterilization. Yeah, because some of these vials that have been examined, there are these mysterious nanoparticles, metal, aluminium for one, and uh, also graphene oxide has been found in some of these things. So there's all sorts of odd commodities in these vaccinations which have no rights to be in them and certainly have no rights to be in the human body and what the long-term effects of these things might be no one knows including the pharmaceutical companies that have produced them because they have not done any long-term studies they haven't even done any proper short-term studies because that was not the object of the game the object of the game was to get this poisonous concoction out into the public as some people have suggested it's a depopulation program and uh, there's probably some mileage in that because it's certainly killing people. And that mm. is definitely provable um, because, as we say, and we say it quite clearly in the book, there is no such thing as a safe and effective vaccine. Um, and just briefly, uh, I will say so that people can see 
why we would say that is the thing we're told about vaccinations is it's supposed to induce immunity, isn't it? You know, boost your immune system. We hear all this sort of tripe. Now, when you look at how the body works, there is actually no such thing as an immune system. And people sometimes gasp at that and think, what? <laughs> but the body has a repair and maintenance system, which mm. is entirely different to what the medical establishment would tell us. Because what they tell us is that when they inject um, one of these vaccines into people, which could have uh, the virus or the bacteria, but, but dead, um, when they inject it into you and then the body it induces the body to produce this mythical thing called antibodies these are things that have never been observed anywhere at any time but this is what the medical establishment say mm. the body mm. now produces antibodies which are specific to the so-called dead germ that they've injected into your body and then, then these antibodies are supposed to stay in your system um, until that unhappy day when one of these germs attacks your body and these antibodies swoop in and devour it. Now, this process has never been observed or proved to actually exist. The body doesn't work that way. You cannot boost the body's immune system. The only thing you can do is make sure that your body is healthy mm. so that yeah. it can maintain itself properly. And then yeah. we're back to providing it with correct nutrition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but you can see how it goes hand in glove with the fallacy of germs, they've got to be able to tell you that the body has an immune system. Otherwise, you'd be asking them, well, why, why do you need to vaccinate us? If the body doesn't have an immune system and you can't boost the immune system with a vaccination, well, why are we having any of them? So well, they need to keep yeah. this myth going. I mean, Don, just just a final couple of points to try and wrap up. But one of the things that has sort of irritated me actually infuriated me the most has been um, the the obsession with wanting to jab children, children, young, as young as six months in many instances with these, what I call experimental gene therapies, whatever you want to call them. And, and, and everybody knows to what David's saying, you know, like we don't know, we, we don't even know the short term side effects, but when it comes to medium and long term side effects of these so alleged treatments, and, and you're talking about someone who's maybe only, a, you know, a year old or a couple of years old, they've got a long life in front of them. Who knows what they will experience as a consequence of these treatments? And yet, the medical establishment seems quite happy to to jab them, and the the, the media don't ask too many questions. Don, I wonder what do you think about the jabbing, particularly of infants, young kids? Uh, well, I mean, nobody should, but it's certainly not children. I mean, there was a point at which um, it was—I can't remember <coughs> the actual age—but um, you know, it was sort of adults only, and yep. there were a lot people who seem to be calling out saying oh well you know not our children they're saying oh well we might need to jab the children next and a lot of people would and so um maybe naively I, I kind of hoped expected that there would be an awful lot more pushback when they started to roll out these jabs in into children mm -hmm. certainly when there was obvious evidence that um they were extremely harmful. And yeah. yet so many people just said, um, you know, no, carry on. I mean, that was mm -hmm. heartbreaking when it just kept being rolled out and into younger and younger children. And now it seems to have been added to the um, the standard yeah. vaccination yeah. schedule. Uh, and it's, it's horrifying um, because um, there is... 
there is no such disease. I mean, I mean, there are no diseases anyway, but I mean, there was uh, never anything new that could be classified as a new disease that spread around everywhere, spread around the world and caused a pandemic. There, there was no pandemic pandemic never was uh, you know i mean i know obviously a lot of your audience you know scamdemic but but i can't see how even three years later there aren't more and more people who is who are realizing that what they're seeing out there in in their world you go well there are people dropping down dead the, ch the children aren't dropping down dead you know well after the vaccination sadly um but not beforehand so i it just it is disappointing, um, but it, it it just makes you wonder how bad it has to get before people say, "Hang on a minute, no, there's something wrong here." So um, I, I don't know, but yes, it's it's awful. I I don't know what the percentage of children that have been jabbed. Um, I don't know if we do know if it's as high as the adult population or not, but uh, it, it's it's heartbreaking. I think it. I think it was interesting to see in America. The, I think it's with the fourth booster that was made available to Americans, only 15% of the population yeah. actually took it up. Now, yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? So that shows that there is a a great change in, in how, what people think about these vaccinations. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And and, and, and I, I think, you know, they, they've overplayed their hand. They always do. And yeah. for me, one of the... The positive things to come out of the last couple of years is I think it's opened a lot of our eyes up to the, what you and, and, and you both re recognized many years previously. But but I think, you know, your ranks are now there's there's probably millions of us who now yeah. basically listen to your voices. And I have to say to both of you, it's been just amazingly wonderful to hear perfectly reasonable sort of critical thinking voices. Uh, because Thank that's you. what is missing totally from the mainstream, basically, and by deliberation, of course, they know what they're yeah. at. Um, but I just have found this so fascinating. I'm conscious. We, we've, <laughs> we, I told you we'd run over. We have run over uh, the, the, the time, but uh, just folks, just want to make you aware uh, what really makes you ill. This is a website where I, th I believe people can go and find out more information yeah. Uh, so uh, make sure you bookmark what really makes you ill. There you have it. And you can find uh, more content from um, David and Dawn. Uh, I also have to say to you, uh, we haven't even got talking about a tenth of the stuff I wanted to talk about, but time's gone by too quickly. Uh, it is absolutely amazing to have you both on, David and Dawn. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing all the hard work that so many others should have done but didn't do. And all I can do is amplify your voices, hopefully make people uh, well aware of the, uh, you know, the important work in terms of understanding what what really makes you ill. And, and as you both said, I mean, there's, there's very simple solutions we have, yeah. but we don't have to go to Big Pharma to get it. It's it's in our hands. It's in our control. And maybe yeah. that's a positive. Uh, Leslie Butler says we need another show, David. Well, if David and Donald come back at another time, I'd be very happy to have you back at another time. And maybe we can yeah. go into more detail because there's 
there's so much in this one, folks. There's so much. I find it really in, informative. Um, thanks, Billy Watson, there for uh, your kind comments, Sandra, and all of you folks. I appreciate all of that. Listen, guys, I'm gonna and thank you one from Hypno as well. Thanks to th thanks to Sarah Jane and uh, Dieter. So listen, thanks everyone very much. Thank you, Don. Thank you, David. Thank you in all the different streams. We will be back on Wednesday night to sort out the World Economic Forum. So who says we don't think big? But we, we do our best anyway. But uh, listen, thank you all very much, folks. And uh, catch up with you then. And it's goodbye from us. Good night. Thank you.